Well, I named this series The Simple Mathematics of Spiritual Growth because I don't know about you, but I am really good at simple math. I enjoy simple math. I'm going to be honest with you. Throughout my life, I've actually even been pretty darn good at some of the more complicated math. In fact, I was so good at math through high school that I often got in trouble because I was able to work out the equations and do all the steps in my head and then just write down the answers. And teachers always wanted me to do what? They wanted me to show my work. And I always thought, why do I need to show the work when I'm showing you the right answer. But then a few years ago, some of you parents are going to know this, math changed. Like, and, and of course, math itself didn't change. Two plus two is still four. Three times seven is still 21, which unfortunately is some football math that the Packers haven't been able to quite figure out lately. Um, math didn't change, but anyone with kids in grade school knows math changed. Like the way children are taught math today, specifically when it comes to problem solving, is very different from today from the way that things were taught 50, 40, 30, and even 20 years ago, which means as parents and grandparents, when we go to help our kids and grandkids with their math homework, there's a language understand, an understanding barrier between how kids understand math and how adults understand math, and even what we picture when we think about solving math problems. Now, as, to, as we begin this series today, it's important to understand that the same thing that's true of mathematics is also true of spiritual growth. That when I say it means one, when I say it, it means one thing. And when you hear it and think about growing spiritually, you may very well be thinking about something entirely different. What we think spiritual growth often looks like, it looks like this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I love Jesus more. I, I feel closer to Jesus I understand the Bible more. I pray more regularly. I attend church more regularly. I give money to the church like a Christian is supposed to do. I don't do some of the bad things that I used to do. I serve at church or I serve in the community, and I never used to do that. And I could go on and on with examples, but here's what I hope you notice. None of those in and of themselves are bad things, and many of those things, actually doing them is some spiritual growth. Like if you feel closer to Jesus, that's a good thing, and there's growth there. Like, if you've never used to feel Jesus present in your daily life, and now you like, there's spiritual growth there. Um, if, if you feel closer to Jesus, that's a good thing. Uh, if you pray now and you never used to pray, praying is the act of praying is spiritual growth. If you've never read the Bible for yourself and you're starting to do that, actually reading it is a step of growth. If you never used to give, giving itself is a sign of growth. But Here's what I want to help us understand as we kick off this series. All of those things are good. All of those good things are habits. And when it comes to genuine spiritual growth, spiritual habits are not the goal. Spiritual habits are the tools that help us reach the goal. So, so spending time reading your Bible is not the goal. Spending time in prayer, not the goal. Giving, not the goal. Fasting, not the goal. Silence, not the goal. Solitude, not the goal. Confession, not the goal. Feeling close, like, like, like these are not the goal, but they are tools to help us accomplish and reach the goal. In other words, God has some things that he desires to grow in us, and those things only grow on the other side of our spiritual habits. But the habits in and of themselves aren't the point, even when they're good things and even when they can be signs of growth. The larger goal is to allow God to form in you and grow in you and establish in you the bigger, greater things that God wants to grow in your life and in your heart and in your mind. So let me just talk really quickly about what God wants to grow in you. God wants to grow your trust in him. 
God wants you to, to grow your trust in him, that you wouldn't just believe in God, but that you would actually believe God, that you would trust his promises, that you would trust his way, that you would trust his timing, that you would trust his plan, that you would not just trust, trust in God, not just believe in God, that you, but that you would believe God enough to do what he says, that you would believe God and believe God's promises, believe God's instructions, believe God's way, that you would trust in God and God wants to grow your trust in him. And so he's going to ask you to do things that, 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 that will grow your trust in him. He's going to require things that grow your trust in him. And when you see God's way work, your trust grows in God. God wants to grow your dependence on him. God wants to grow your dependence on him, that your whole life would be leaned on God. That's God's goal for your life. That's one of the things that God wants to grow in you. He wants to grow the way you depend on him, the way you lean your life on him. And God wants you to eventually grow to a point where your entire life would be leaned on him and nothing less and nothing else. That you would know in a profound way that the weight of your life can rest entirely on God and not on the ever-shifting things of life. God wants to grow your trust in him. He wants to grow your dependence on him. He wants to grow your awareness of him. That you would know and sense his presence and activity in your life during the obvious moments and seasons. You're like, like, yeah, there's some moments I know God is with me. I feel God is with me. I'm aware that God is with me because everything is going great. But God wants you to have an awareness that he's with you even when it doesn't seem to be going that great, even when you can't sense the obvious moments, even when you can't sense the obvious things, that you would know with a deep abiding sense that God is with you and that he is working for you, that you would have an awareness, an awareness of his presence and his activity in your life in the obvious moments and in the not so obvious moments. He wants to grow your heart like his heart that you would care about what he cares about, that what matters to him would matter to you. And at this moment of your life, chances are pretty good, like they're pretty good in my, in, in my life, after, even after 35 years of 40 years of following Jesus, that there's things in my life where I don't always care about what God cares about, that what matters to God most isn't what, cares, what, I, what I care about the most. That, we would, that God wants us to grow to love the things that he loves and to hate the things that God hates. That the things that matter most to God would become the things that matter most to us. Not only does God want to grow your heart like his heart, he wants to grow your mind like his mind. He wants to the way that you think about the world and relationships and career and purpose to be the way that God actually thinks about the world and relationships and career and purpose. That everything that goes on in our world, everything that goes on in our lives, everything that goes on in our marriage, everything that goes on in our home, everything that goes on in our workplace, everything that goes on in the way that we make decisions in the world, God wants to transform our mind to think like his mind. And God finally wants to grow your love for others so that it flows that flows from him. He wants to grow your love that, that comes from him. That you would grow in love toward people and keep growing until you love sacrificially and generously with your time, your energy, and your resources. God wants to grow your love for others that flows from him. So let me just recap that. God wants to grow your trust in him, your dependence on him, your awareness of him. He wants to grow your heart to become like his heart, your mind to become like his mind, and your love for others to grow grow so that it becomes like his love for others. That is the goal, that every one of us would be transformed, changed from the inside out and from the outside in to become more and more like Jesus and more like our heavenly father, that we would become like him so that the way we live and think and relate reflects him to those around us. So that's the goal. And as we talk about transformed lives, we must never 
ever forget that. That while Bible reading is important, we're going to talk about it next week. While Bible reading is important, Bible reading itself is not the goal. While prayer is important, prayer itself is not the goal. While giving is is important, giving is not the goal. While fasting is important, fasting is not the goal. While silence is important, silence is not the goal. While confession is important, confession is not the goal. While self-examination is important, self-examination is not itself the goal. The goal is a transformed life that looks more and more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus every day and every season and every stretch of our lives. As we talk about spiritual habits, we must never forget that that is the goal of our spiritual habits, that our habits, our tool, our tools that help us accomplish in us and form in us the things that God wants to accomplish in us and wants to form in us. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the spiritual habits that help form in us what God wants to form in us and why we're not just doing them to check off a box that we did these spiritual habits, but we're doing the, we're, we're talking about them in a way that helps us understand why we do it and how it helps us grow. These, these spiritual habits that help us and the, the simple but profound things that God wants to add in our lives and the habits that accomplish them. And the simple but profound things that God wants to subtract from our lives and the habits that accomplish that subtraction. But today, as we kick off the series, what I want to talk about is the process by, by which we develop these habits. And this process always happens through an evolving process that I call 3D. It happens as we begin with discipline. We grow from discipline to desire. And eventually we find ourselves in a place of delight. And it's possible that nowhere else in scripture is that pattern more evident than in Psalm chapter 119, as David unpacked for his children, his relationship and his experience in coming to know and understand and live out the instructions, commands, and laws of God's word. Here's some large portions of that text from Psalm 119, beginning in verse one. He said, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Now you may notice in there, this is the section of, of, of chapter 119 of Psalms that I would call the discipline language. This is, it comes in, in from verses 1 through the, 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 we stopped in verse 13, but it keeps going for a ways. But this is the discipline language. No, notice the intentionality. This is, this is, this is inspirational language. This is, this is aspirational language. This is what I want. This is what I hope to do. And because this is what I want, I want the blessing that comes from following you. I want the blessing that comes from knowing you. I want to live a life that's free of shame. I want to live a, a life that doesn't have regrets. I want that. And so because of that, I'm choosing something. There's blessing there, so I seek it. And I have to seek it because it doesn't come naturally. 
I work to fully obey, just using the language that, pointing out the language that David used. I work to fully obey. Full obedience does not come naturally. Obedience to God doesn't come naturally because there's, there are things and there's moments and there's days of our life where, where what I want and what God wants are at odds with each other. So it's not just that obedience doesn't come naturally. Full obedience doesn't come naturally. David says, I have to choose that. I fully obey because I don't want to be ashamed. The way to purity, he said, the way to live pure as a young person, as an old person, the way to purity is to live according to the word and instruction of God. He says, there's a way that comes right, comes naturally to people, but the way that comes naturally to me will lead me away from God, will lead me away, away from a life of integrity. And so if I want to live a life of integrity and purity and following God, I can't live what comes naturally to me. I have to choose discipline to follow God's command. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart. This is a difficult, anyone who's ever tried to memorize scripture, you know that, script, that scripture memorization takes discipline. It's a difficult process. It's hard work. David's saying like, I have chosen the way of discipline. I've chosen to, if, since I want the blessing of God, since I want to live a life free of shame, since I want to live a life that experiences and lives in the freedom that God has for me, since I want to live a life of integrity, I know that I have to start with a life of discipline. But that was not the whole of David's experience. So he went on in verse 14 to write this. He says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Have you ever gotten great riches? Have you, have you ever like, has someone ever just given you money and you're like, whoa, I have, I have, I have a hundred dollars. Remember the first time someone gave you a hundred dollar bill? Maybe that's never happened in your life. But for most of us, that's happened at some point in life where it wasn't a paycheck, but someone gave you a hundred dollars. You're like, I have hundred dollars. And in the economy that we're living in right now, that means you can go to McDonald's. It's, you know, fantastic, right? But we rejoice in the great riches. In the, I, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Be good to your servant while I live that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts, that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. Teach me, Lord, the ways of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Again, here we get this idea that David has, he began with discipline, but his life didn't stay a life of discipline. Because of the discipline, he was able to grow to a place where when it came to God's commands and God's laws and God's instructions, it was no longer you know, difficult discipline. I'm still going to be disciplined about it. But now what I experience is not discipline. What I experience is desire. Do you notice the language in there? My soul is consumed with longing. I'm, I'm, I long for God's word. Cause me to understand. Teach me. Keep me. Give me understanding. Direct me. 
Turn my heart, turn my eyes. God, I want more of what you have. See, once it was work, but now it's become something I desire, something I'm hungry for, something I need more of. Now it's something I'm seeking out, something I want, something I desire. Never, th- I mean, never thought I'd be a person who actually wanted to read. The- Here's what this looks like. Never thought I'd be someone who wanted to read the Bible, looked forward to fasting, wanted to give, but I've seen it work and I want more of it. I have a desire that's been fueled by my discipline. My discipline has become a desire. So what was once difficult, hard work, difficult, I don't think I can do it, difficult, it takes a lot of you know, restraint to keep doing it. It takes a lot of willpower. It's taking me a lot of willpower to get up earlier in the morning to, to actually spend my lunch hour doing that, to make sure I'm doing this before the day is over. It used to take a lot of willpower and discipline, but now I'm finding myself desiring it. I'm finding myself longing for it. I'm finding myself wanting it with all of my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my strength. And then what we're going to notice as David goes on in chapter chapter 119, it moves from being a place of discipline and desire to being a place of delight. And here's what David writes in, in verse 44 in the following verses. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. Now I'm living in freedom because of the discipline that I chose back there. I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and I will not be put to shame for I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love that I may meditate on your decrees. Oh, how I love your law. Isn't that something that you've thought a lot when it comes to the Old Testament law? When you read Deuteronomy, when you read Numbers, when you read Leviticus, aren't you sitting there going like, oh man, God, I love your law. And David's going, I have been disciplining my life. And because I've been living life of discipline to know God's word, I actually do love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I'm living in wisdom above above those who are trying to attack me. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your degree, your decrees to the very end. This is where David would say, in the surprise of my life, I have found that I find joy and I find life in this thing that was once a chore and a discipline. I now find delight in something I once found terrifying and difficult. And this is the process of how we grow and how we change and how we transform and how something that we once have to choose as discipline becomes desire and ends up being the delight and the joy of my life. This is the process of spiritual transformation, of becoming the people that God wants us to be. We begin with discipline, we move to desire, and we arrive one day at delight. Now, what you're going to notice, and I'm going to talk about this, the discipline never goes away. 
it becomes easier as we choose it over and over and over and over and over, and it becomes the habit of our lives. But it's also really easy to let it slip and not be the habit of our lives. And what we find is the, the discipline that led to desire, that led to delight. If we don't continue the discipline, we find ourselves in a place of frustration, in a place of despair, in a place of not understanding why God would ever ask these things of us. So as we talk about spiritual habits, this is what it looks like. It's discipline that leads to desire, that leads to delight. It's discipline, it's desire, it's delight. This is what I call 3D habits or habits in 3D, spiritual habits in 3D. These are any habits in 3D, any habit of leading towards something of growth, of change, of betterment in our lives. It begins with understanding the 3Ds of habits and it begins with discipline. This is, I have to work for it. When it comes to reading your Bible, and if you're starting a habit of that, it takes work. If you're starting a habit of prayer, it takes work. If you're starting a habit of fasting, it takes work. If you're starting a habit of solitude, it is difficult. I have to intentionally choose it. I probably don't enjoy it at the beginning. I mean, like you, you hear people talk about reading the Bible and they talk about it as like the joy of their life. I guarantee you, it was not the joy of their life when they started it. I'll tell you from my experience, I love the Word of God. I've been reading it every single day for the last, I mean, almost, I, I shouldn't say almost every single day for the last 22 years of my life. And, when I, and I love it now. And when I started it, there were days I absolutely did not love it. I had to intentionally choose it. I didn't enjoy it at the beginning. At the beginning, there were times where I found it difficult. There were times reading the Bible where I found it offensive because I didn't like what God was saying to me. I found it improbable that I would keep going because it didn't come easy because it worked against my natural as a college student, as a, as a college freshman, beginning to read the Bible as an adult for the first time and try to have that daily discipline. I just knew there was a million different things pulling from my attention. I found it unlikely that I would keep going with it because it came against, it did not come easy and it did not come naturally. It works against our natural tendencies, our existing habits, our existing patterns. We have to choose it. This is what's called the discipline phase. This is the discipline phase of spiritual growth that we have to choose, that we have to work where it's difficult. And we choose it anyway because we know there is something coming from it. We know there is something good from it, but we choose it because we know it is going somewhere and it's leading to somewhere better. It's leading to a place of desire. It's leading to a place of delight. If all we're doing is choosing discipline, 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 discipline for years and years and years and years and years of our life, we may and, and, and we never experience the fruit, discipline doesn't really have a point, which is why it's great news that discipline leads to something better. It leads to desire. And as we come to desire, we don't give up the discipline. We maintain the discipline, but we experience the desire. This is where we've seen it work and it's working in us. There's this song that we've sung a couple times in our church called Take You at Your Word by Benjamin William Hastings and Cody Carnes. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic song. There's this line in the chorus uh, where he says, I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. I've seen how good it works. And, and, and this, is, this is the delight, this is the desire phase of, 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 spiritual, of spiritual discipline. That because we've seen it work and we know it's working, we want more. 
We hunger more for awareness of God. We hunger more for a, tr- a growing tr- Like I want to trust God more. Like I have that desire in me that I start reading the Bible and I find myself in a place where like, huh, I actually, it's not just discipline anymore, but I'm actually looking forward to it. When it comes time to prayer, I'm not just, I'm not just sitting there in silence, in silence and, and trying to ho- hope and get through it and do it because I know I'm supposed to do it, but I actually desire it. I actually want to spend time in prayer. I actually, I, I, you, you, this is go, you'd go, I, I never thought I'd be a person who would fast in the first place, but now I'm finding myself becoming a person who looks forward to my, t- my daily meal of fast or that time in my week where I put the phone on silent and I lock it in a cabinet and, and I actually look forward to it. I desire it because I know when I am involved in that habit, I know God is doing something in me. I know maybe God is going to do something through me. As I developed that habit of service, at first it just felt like an inconvenience, but now I look forward to it because every time I go out and serve in the community, every time I show up to serve at church, there's an opportunity for conversations and God's at work, not just in me, but God's at work through me. So I'm looking forward to I, I desire it. And then again, desire for the point for the sake of desire is, is, isn't really the goal either. We want to move to a place where we find delight in what we do because God is growing us. This is where we actually find joy simply in the doing and in what it does in us. This is where your day doesn't feel complete until you've done that thing that's become a habit. This is where you can't sleep at night if you haven't done that thing. This is where your day doesn't feel like you're on the right start until you, this, this is where like, instead of needing coffee to start your day, you need the word of God to start your day. This is where your week doesn't feel right if you haven't had the moments of silence and solitude that you have come to rely on because they bring you into the presence of God. This is where your night doesn't feel right until you've prayed with your children and, and, and actually not just prayed for your children, but you prayed with them and then you got them praying along with you so that as a young, as, as a young kid, they experience the presence of God and know they can talk to their heavenly father. This is where life doesn't quite feel right until you've experienced that habit that was once a discipline and it grew to desire and now is actually the joy and the delight of your life. And over the next few weeks, as we talk about these things that all begin as discipline, my hope is you'll choose to embrace the 3D nature of this. And whether it's reading your Bible, spending spending time in prayer, living generously, fasting, choosing silence and solitude, choosing confession and self-examination, I hope that you'll embrace the discipline until it becomes a desire. And that as you feed the desire, it will eventually fill you with delight because that's the power of 3d habits in our spiritual life and in our moments of delight in our moments of desire if we if we continue to feed them out of, out of the discipline that, that this always starts with we will experience the transformation that god wants for us as as we choose these things as we choose to get disciplined about these things as we choose to move toward to to keep disciplining ourselves till it grows to desire, as we choose to keep feeding that desire until it grows to discipline, what we'll see and what we'll experience is that God will grow our trust in him. God will grow our dependence on him. God will grow our heart to become like his heart. He will grow our awareness of him. He will grow our minds to become like him. And he will grow our love for others to be like his love for us. Because this is how it happens. It happens as we start with discipline as we continue in discipline until it becomes desire, and as we feed that desire until it becomes the joy and the delight of our lives. See, this process, 
Again, I talked about it. This isn't just a, just a spiritual habits thing. This is an everyday habit thing. But this is how, th- this process is how people who don't like running, they become people who love to run. This is how people who don't like running eventually become people who finish marathons and, and ultra marathons and 100 milers and, and become those people that you're like, they spend, they spend whole hundreds and hundreds of dollars on running apparel. People who, who didn't like to run became disciplined about it. And then they found, it, found they wanted it. And then they found out they couldn't live without it. This is how people who don't like biking become people who spend thousands of dollars on bikes and bike gear and finish long races with bikes and, and bike across the state of New Mexico to raise money for missions and, and ride across the country to raise money for social justice that impacts places in faraway countries and gets people out of trafficking industries. This is how it happens. They, they began a discipline they moved to desire, and then they couldn't live without it, and they needed more and more and more of it. The process is how people who don't like to read become obsessed with books. This process is how husbands who don't like to listen become great listeners to their wives. This process is how people who don't like to eat vegetables and salads become healthy eaters. This is how I began a, a, a healthy obsession with Brussels sprouts. Some of you even had just said Brussels sprouts. You're like, Gross. This is, I, like, I, I found out that Brussels sprouts were incredibly healthy, in, like incredibly healthy and showed good progress for people who were recovering from, you know, long-term, um, you know, immune disorders. And after COVID and I was struggling with some of the long COVID stuff, I really felt like I needed to, to do something. And I, I did not like Brussels sprouts, but I had read that they were an incredibly important thing. So I decided to incorporate Brussels sprouts at least once a week, but most, most often twice a week into our family's diet. And I didn't enjoy it. It was a discipline. And then I came to want Brussels sprouts. And I'm going to tell you today, I stand here as a pastor who loves Brussels sprouts. It's a delight, but it didn't start as a delight. It started as a desire, as a, as a discipline to help through some of my health stuff after having COVID. And then it became a desire where I actually looked, you know, like I was looking forward. I, I wanted Brussels sprouts. And then it became something where, man, these are so delicious. It was a transformation that took place. This process is how people who don't like coffee, don't like the taste of coffee, acquired the taste of coffee and have now become addicts. I mean, some of you, you, you didn't, like you still maybe, not, maybe don't like the taste of coffee, but you can't live without it because you acquired the taste of coffee by drinking it as a discipline because it helps you start your morning off with more energy. And as it started, you're like, oh, I hate the taste of this, hate the taste of this, hate the taste of this. Oh, now I want the taste of coffee. Now I want coffee. Now I need, now I want, coffee. Now I got to get my Starbucks. I got to get my, my Dutch brothers. I got to get this. I got to get this. And now I can't live without it. You're at it. You're an, you're an addict. This is how it happens. And this is the process that God wants to use to shape and transform us to become more and more and more like him, to think like him, to have a heart like him, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, to trust in him fully, to be aware of him completely, to depend on him with our entire lives and lead everything that we have on him, and to love others the way that he loves others. This is what God wants to do in you, and is what God wants to do in me, and this is the process of how God wants to do it. Let's start with discipline. Let's move to desire. And let's keep going until it becomes the delight of our lives. So I hope that you'll join us these next two weeks as we talk about addition and as we talk about subtraction. 
And more than anything, I hope that God will use this process in you like he's using it in me as we begin some disciplines to make us more and more like him every day for the rest of our lives. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you want to make us more like you because that's how you intended us to be from the start is to be like you, made in your image. And God, for some of us, we need to be remade in your, into your image. We've, we've, we've moved away from your image and we need to be remade and we need to be transformed. So God, I pray that you would help us to become disciplined about the things that we need to become disciplined about. And God, I pray that it wouldn't stay there, but you would move us to a place where we desire what you have for us. And because we desire what you have for us, we want more of the things that you've asked us to be to become disciplined about because we meet you there and you move in our lives there. And God, as we experience that, God, I pray that it would become the joy and the delight of our lives because we see what you're doing and what you've done and who you are and how you work in our lives. And we can't wait to experience more of it. So God, help that to be our experience as we talk for the next few weeks, as we learn about these simple mathematics of spiritual growth. I pray that you would add exactly what you want to add to our lives, and you would subtract anything that doesn't belong in our lives. And God, out of that, you would grow us and change us and transform us to be more and more and more the people that you want us to be, living more and more and more like you. I love you, God, and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.